0: good morning morning. I guess as we get started here this morning let me say congratulations to John and Katura on your brand new little boy I guess that happened while I was away so but it's not necessarily new news to everybody else but anyway congratulations Hebrews 13, Hebrews 13, last chapter in the book of Hebrews. And as we uh, begin this chapter, my goal is cover we'll look at this chapter and then spend some time reviewing, probably for like the next two weeks maybe. And uh, there's something in the works that should be neat. For that so I'll just leave it at that for right now but uh, remember this of course the last uh, well let me even back up for a second if you think about it you could think about the whole argument of the book of Hebrews as being all right because of who the Lord Jesus Christ is and because of who he is he was able and did what he did his great work right his priestly work as described in the book of Hebrews, that is reason why we should put our faith, our trust in him. Now that's not limited to like coming to him in salvation. that, that encompasses everything all right that, that, you know coming to him in salvation is just the beginning, all right but that encompasses everything and that's what these last several chapters are about. It begin, begins with that great exhortation there in like verse 19 of chapter 10 about coming to him, drawing near, but uh, then it follows with everything in our lives, and we, we, we've seen great examples of faith, and of course the greatest example of faith, the Lord Jesus himself, and then how that is to affect our lives, and then remember the chapter 12 ends with the fifth of the five warning passages in the book of Hebrews, which are just in a general way, all of them are warning about the seriousness of salvation and not missing salvation. None of them are warning about losing salvation, but they're all warning about missing salvation. And the sad fact is, uh, and obviously I have no number to put here, but the, the vast majority, it seems, of religious people in this world, even those that identify somehow or another with the term Christian, are probably lost. They've missed, they're, they are missing Christ, what Christianity is really all about. Uh, and they're, they're distracted by religion, and they're missing the person. Uh, And so, really, this is all about Christ being the object of our faith, all right? So we come to the last chapter, and as you'll see, it's kind of in some ways just a, uh, maybe it's fair to describe it as kind of a general chapter. There's a lot of, some variety of things that are talked about here, um, but I've classified it this way as living in the community of faith, all right? Um, And so, uh, again, as the last portion of Hebrews focuses on the superior principle, which is faith in Christ, the book ends with some uh, really various exhortations and commands concerning carrying out our Christian duties, all right? And so, as we get into this, we'll see uh, several things, but I guess let's go ahead and pray, and then uh, we'll, we'll jump into this, all right? So, Father, this morning, as we uh, uh, come to this time uh, here this morning, as we look into your Word, I pray that you'd help us, help me, to be able to uh, communicate this um, clearly and uh, as concisely as possible. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand, uh, of course, the things in chapter thirteen, but also, of course, just uh, the the things. In this great book of Hebrews and and the the wonderful presentation of the Lord Jesus Christ and I pray that you'd work in each of our hearts and lives help help no one here to be missing Christ and um, Lord I pray that you'd help us to live in such a way that we do not cause others to miss Christ and uh, we we confess we need you Uh, we need your help and Lord we pray that you'd help us to love you and embrace Christ like we should in our lives. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we, we come to this chapter here, and we see, again, just a variety of some exhortations and commands concerning just Christian responsibility. And we see, first of all, the first six verses here, some general responsibilities. Now, what I mean by general responsibilities is these are responsibilities that affect um, our our life and testimony in a general way just at large really in this world okay uh, and then you'll see the next portion i'm not going to click it up yet yeah, focuses more kind of on responsibilities in what we could say the congregation Right, and and so that's that's kind of the what I mean by that, all right? General responsibilities. First of all, you see in verse 1 the idea of brotherly love, which is an important and a a regular topic in the New Testament. Sometimes something we tend to forget, (laughs) all right? I mean, but uh, it is a very important subject. He says in verse 1, "...let brotherly love continue." Alright. And in some ways, all the rest of what's in these first six verses or so have to do, they could fall under that category. Alright. If we're practicing love in our lives in a biblical context, it's going to affect really everything in our lives. But he says, let brotherly love continue. It should always remain. It should be continuing. That's the idea. It's it's to be always ongoing in our lives. And you think about that, love is an important characteristic of a Christian. First of all, we should be people that are known for loving Christ. I mean, he should be the focus, right? And and all that, but also love for each other is something that is uh, obviously very, very important. I think in John, I think it's 1335, so you're 35 or 33 where Jesus said, by this shall men know that you are my disciples, that ye have love one for another. I mean, love is a power, a powerful testimony. It's a powerful thing. And uh, in, we're pretty close there, so let me turn there. I didn't type these verses out. 1 John 3, 18 um, says this, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death... In the flesh but quickened by the Spirit and I don't think that's the verse I was looking for but uh, anyway uh, we should be loving one another in 1st John 4 there's a lot of of, uh, uh, a lot of words there regarding love and the importance of love and maybe it was 418 but I've already turned back from it so uh, brotherly love this is the first thing in this list of responsibilities Love, all right? And love should be priority and primary in our lives. And then notice number two in verse two. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for some thereby have entertained angels unawares. This is an interesting verse, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but um, literally the idea here is, as in many of the commands in uh, the New Testament, but literally the idea is to stop neglecting strangers. Stop, don't you know? Stop being forgetful to entertain strangers. All right, but it has to do really with the idea of hospitality. Uh, to use that word, um, let me just read this paragraph. This is from uh, William McDonald's commentary. I've quoted that several times in the study of Hebrews here, but. He says this, the readers are urged to show hospitality to strangers. This might refer primarily to believers who were fleeing from persecution and were hard pressed to find food and lodging. To entertain them was to expose the host to the and hostess to danger. Uh, the verse may also be understood as a general encouragement to show hospitality to any believers who need it. There is always the thrilling possibility that in doing this, we may be unwittingly entertaining angels. This, of course, looks back to Abraham's experience with three men who were actually angelic beings, Genesis 18. Even if we never have real angels in our homes, we may have men and women whose very presence is a benediction and whose godly influence on our family may have results that reach on into eternity. Anyway, I'm just going to leave it at that for, for now, all right? But hospitality, that is something that is... Uh, touched on in the New Testament that we should show hospitality, of course, one to another, to, uh, to believers and so on. And uh, anyway, notice number three, I'll just call this one empathy. All right? Brotherly love, hospitality, and empathy. Notice uh, here he says, Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body all right notice the comparison there as in other words we're to look at those situations as if that was us is, is kind of what he's saying right put ourselves in their position all right so see that idea of empathy there but he says to remember them this particular word remember is different than others in the chapter here uh, and it just literally kind of means uh, to, you know, to recall to memory, to remind yourself, but it also has the idea of thinking uh, and focusing attention on, giving careful consideration to uh, here. But we ought we to be careful about those, and particularly, think about this, those that are suffering for Christ. That's, that's probably in the context of Hebrews, that was kind of foremost in In the thinking here because in that time frame these people would have been somewhat at least if not personally definitely the idea of persecution for Christ that was a real real thing in fact in many places in the world it's kind of foreign to us as American Christians I mean uh, you know obviously things are different in our country now than what they were 50 years ago a lot different but Still, I mean, we don't have persecution in this country. I mean, uh, there are a few instances of maybe of people taken to court over something because they 've taken a stand, taken a stand on something or another. But I mean, we really don't suffer persecution in this country, uh, but there are people in the world right now, Christians who literally that 's their day-to-day life. They literally are suffering for the cause of Christ and uh, we, you know, we should, if nothing else, we should be praying for people like that. And we might not even know who they are. Uh, still would be a good idea to pray for them. But that idea of empathy there. Then, then uh, the, the fourth idea here is morality. All right, notice in verse 4, he says, Marriage is honorable and all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. So, speaks of morality. Uh, This is an interesting verse, but literally the idea is precious, honorable, of great value is the marriage, all right, or the wedding. Uh, Either idea could be there in all, and then he says the bed, literally it would be this bed, particular beds what he's talking about the it's very specific the bed undefiled in other words the marriage bed is undefiled that obviously everybody here is aware you know i mean uh, that is that is god's context all right for uh intimacy and love and and all that goes with that all right um and the rest of the verse says god will judge immorality he will it is a serious thing it's 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 interesting to me how common immorality is in our society, but God's going to judge it, and I think God's probably already judging our society, partly for that, partly for a lot of other things, I'm sure, but uh, certainly uh, God will judge. He is a just judge, all right? Um, And then notice verses 5 and 6, we see the idea, I'll just call this testimony, or, and then I put slash, contentment, all right, verses 5 and 6 here. Notice he says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Two, two statements here, all right? Let your conversation, let your, your way, your manner of life is the idea, be without covetousness, all right? We all know that the 10th of the 10 commandments, thou shalt not covet, uh, but here the specific word is literally the idea of the love of money we shouldn't i mean our lives shouldn't be characterized by just pursuing money being greedy that's that's part of the idea here um uh, we and then then he says and be content with such things as you have Um, the idea is considering living as what we have is sufficient and, I mean, again, there's, there's numerous scriptures that would uh, tie in with this. Let me just read one verse. In fact, I don't remember the whole context, but not too long ago this came up in one of Pastor Brinker's messages. But in First Timothy 6, 8, uh, And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Uh, I mean, that's pretty basic, right? But we should be content with that according to the scriptures. Now, that said, another aspect of contentment all right, I want to read this verse because I think in this context here in uh hebrews it this this ties in with this, but in um second Corinthians chapter twelve, this is uh Paul's mention of his thorn in the flesh all right, and his desiring God i mean well, let me read it, but lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations that were that was given to me. Yeah, let me stop. Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Obviously, there's a lot of speculation as to exactly what that born in the flesh of Paul's was, Uh, but the bottom line is there was some, obviously in his flesh, so some physical problem that Paul continually experienced, but the purpose of that, according to what he says here is, it was, he says, a messenger of Satan to buffet him. It was continually like beating him up, so to speak, but Lest he should be exalted above measure, God was using it to keep him humble. Is is part of the idea? Kind of like that same idea, you know. You see in Job, all right. I mean, uh, God he allows and does things for our good. Satan tries to use things for to bring us down, all right. But you see both uh, in this in this statement of him. But then he says in verse eight, "For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me." And then when he says he he besought the lord thrice three times i don't think that means he only ever prayed about it three times in his life but probably on three different occasions it was a serious matter of prayer probably fasting and so on to paul that he was beseeching god to take this from him because it was afflicting him obviously and obviously that's not an enjoyable thing right but notice the answer that he got from the Lord, verse 9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most, and then Paul's response is, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ... May rest upon me, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. How does that have to do with what we're reading in Hebrews? Well, no matter what our circumstances, according to uh, verse uh, 5 there, all right, we're to be content with whatever our present status is. That's not always easy to do, okay? Um, but we're to be content, and the point of that being is, God told Paul what His grace is sufficient. That's what makes the difference. All right, it's not things, but it's God's grace in the face of whatever we're facing that makes that brings sufficiency. I guess that's a good way to a better way to say it is. His grace is what makes up any lack, any problem, whatever that we have, all right? And again, that's easy, as, as Rixley says, that's uh, easy preaching, hard living. I mean, that's just the way it is in our lives, all right? But he's talk, talking about con- testimony and, conf- and contentment here in these verses, and I bring that verse in because now notice verse 6, all right? So that we may boldly say, we're not, we, Um, He says in verse 5, we're to be content, and then the rest of verse 5, we didn't read this yet, for he hath said, I will never, you know the verse, right? I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Now, he just said we're to be content, and then he says, for I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So just like Paul was told by God, you know, no, I'm not going to take that away. But my grace will be sufficient. Whatever it is, God's grace is sufficient. Now, many times we have to search for that grace, we have to find it, right? But God makes it available. He's not, and He's not trying to withhold it from us. But we need to humble ourselves, put us put ourselves in the position of receiving that grace. You think about a verse. A statement that's quoted from the Old Testament, at least twice in the New Testament. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to whom? The humble. We have to humble ourselves in order to receive God's grace, to to have that grace, all right? But he makes it available, all right? And so notice uh, again: contentment, God's presence is there, he's not gonna leave us. He's not going to forsake us, no matter what the circumstances, and, and without getting into all you know grammar lesson or whatever. This is an extremely emphatic statement here. All right. I mean, in other words, the bottom line is there is absolutely no way that that could ever, ever occur, according to what's what's stated here. And then notice verse six. So that with this result, that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear what man shall do unto me. All right, that's the result of God's presence, God's grace available in our lives, is that we don't have to fear. And in fact, I mean, you think about this, faith and fear, they're like opposites, right? Now, the only exception would be, all right, is fearing God, all right? That goes along with faith in God. But when we fear what men will think, when we fear man, that keeps us, that, that distracts our faith, all right? When we, are, when we have faith in God, we don't have to fear man. We don't have to fear what things of this life uh, or whatever. And, okay, we're still on that. Um, so you see this idea of testimony and contentment, but it's tied along. Contentment is tied tied with tied along with communion or dependence because of God's presence and and dependence upon him fellowship with him we can have confidence and we can be content because of that all right he'll never abandon you if you're a child of his he'll never abandon you never which by the way you could tie this in with that whole matter of you know, the security of the believer and, and all that as well. He'll never abandon you. It's, again, it's extremely, extremely emphatic there. The Lord's presence and His strength is our sufficiency. Thus, we should trust Him and not fear man, not fear circumstances, not fear the possibilities that we dream up in our mind. You know, that's what worrying is, right? We, 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 we dream up all these possibilities of what could happen. And 99% of the time they never happen, but you know, we 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 dream those up and it causes fear in our hearts. And instead of that, we need to focus on Christ, his presence in our lives, his promise to us, and that gives us stability and sufficiency and so on in our lives. All right, so that brings us to some eclipse. What, ecclesiastical responsibilities, all right? So in other words, or you could say congregational responsibilities. The, the, the word ecclesiastical, that kind of, you know, in our day might be uh, kind of perverted in a lot of ways, but really it just has to do with church. And so church, congregational responsibilities here in verses 7 through 17, basically, you see this, all right? And so uh, he says in verse 7, uh, here, remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. In fact, I'm going to read these verses down through just to keep this in context here. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever, Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. All right, so here we see uh, a number of verses here tied together under this general idea of. responsibilities that pertain to us in in the church, all right? So ecclesiastical, congregational responsibilities. And really there's three ideas here, I think, three main ideas and a number of little things under each of these. But first of all, remember your leaders, all right? Verse 7 and 8, remember them that have the rule over you. Remember to think of, to keep in mind, those ruling, supervising, leading, guiding, that's the idea. Um, Doesn't mean they're kings and, you know, popes and so on, Uh, but they are in a position of spiritual authority, and their desire is to lead and guide people into growth in Christ. I mean, that's, that's really what it is, and oftentimes people don't understand that, But that's that's the point, all right. And uh, I made a note here that that particular word, translated "remember," is used 27 times in the New Testament. 25 out of those 27 times, it is translated "remember," all right. That's that you know. That's the obviously the general idea. The two exceptions to that are in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 15. And verse 22, And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they may have had opportunity to have returned. The word being, if they had been mindful. Same idea here. Verse 22, uh, By faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. Interestingly enough, there, the, the phrase made mention is the translation of the word translated remember here. But the idea is, Keep this in mind, remember it, don't forget it, is the idea. Joseph never forgot about God's plan, and he reminded the children of Israel to take his bones, all right, when God was going to visit them and bring them back uh, to their promised land, all right? So remember your leaders. Uh, The first idea is to remember, again, don't forget them. Keep in mind, and it's not. And it, I don't think it's so much the person here as it is their doctrine, what they're teaching. That's the idea, because they're trying to help you to grow. All right. So remember, and then the second idea is to follow, follow their faith. All right. The word "follow" is the idea of imitate or emulate their faith. Now, the word, the idea of faith here, can can have a couple different sides to it. One, it can be their, uh, you know, the act, if you want to say, of them believing or trusting. I don't necessarily think that's the idea here, Um, but their faith, oftentimes or a number of times in the New Testament, the term the faith is used in the sense of the body of doctrine, what is to be believed, all right? Christian truth, Christian doctrine, Bible doctrine. That, I think, very well could be the idea here, um, or it could be the idea of their faith in, specifically, their faith in Christ, and I think that very well could be the idea as well. Uh, I'm not necessarily going out on a limb as to either one, and there's reasons for both, but the end of their conversation is spoken of as well. In other words, what it's leading to, all right? Uh, uh, Leadership in, in a church has a responsibility of being a good example to follow, right? I mean, that's part of the idea of it. And um, uh, there's in the New Testament, there are three main words that describe what you know, the, the church leadership in the sense of a pastor, all right? Uh, one is the idea of pastor, which is literally a shepherd, all right? And then the word elder and the word bishop. Um, and, and all three of those have a connection with, with, if you want to say, conveying part of what all that, what that position is, all right. But the idea of an elder is somebody who's looked up to, somebody who is to be followed, all right, because, because their life is such that you should follow it. All right, and that's kind of more the idea that's inserted here in this specific context, I believe, we're to be following their faith, following what they believe, following, and it could be specifically referring to following Christ because that's who they're to be pointing to. And notice verse 8. If you ever thought of read these verses like we just did, sometimes you think, what is this? Why is that statement here? Well, and this could bear, very well be why verse 8 is here, right? If, if, it's, if it's talking about following Christ specifically, the object of their faith is Christ. He inserts Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Obviously, there's a number of truths and principles that can be pulled out of that statement, but the context, all right, is obviously Christ, okay? So, um, so remember your leaders, all right? And then secondly... Beware of doctrines that, dis, that detract or distract from Christ. All right. notice the next number of verses here. Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines. This is similar to some wording in like Ephesians 4, where it lists gifts that God gave uh, to the church and uh, included in that are, are pastors, pastors, teachers, um, and uh, the purpose of their being given is to uh, perfect the saints, to equip to you know the saints to be what they ought to be for God, so they can do what they ought to do. And I'm paraphrasing that in that way, but part in that context, it talks about the danger of you know being blown about by every wind of doctrine, and part of the responsibility. Of church leadership is to is to help stabilize and mature believers in the church, so that you have you're fixed on the right doctrine. You're not just every little thing you hear on the radio. Oh yeah, and you go chase that, and oh oh yeah, and you know people that never. Uh, I want to be careful how I say this, but I have known people. Let me word it this way. Um, over the years, that they never seem to get settled down and get committed to and involved in a congregation. It's like they're always changing. And part of that might be because they're just following all kinds of different whims and so on. But the point also is they never really get settled and matured in faith because they're just it's like a ping pong ball. They're just getting hit back and forth and they're going all over the place and there's no, there's no stability in that. That is not God's will for a Christian. All right? Um, but beware of these doctrines. Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace. And then they, interestingly again, he says, not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein, and then we have an altar whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. <coughs> Excuse me. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp bearing his reproach for here we have we no continuing city but we seek one to come all right let me just stop there before we get into the next couple of verses but you think about these verses again why in the world this is brought up well again i think keep in mind the whole big context of the book of hebrews with we you know pointing to christ there's been a change in the law. Christ has fulfilled the law there's a change in the law, the priesthood, and so on and now he is the one he's fulfilled it he's the object to be the object of our faith all right and these people that were wavering you know uh you know and in a in a human standpoint, you can kind of understand all right the the pressures and and so on but people wavering between you know. The traditional, so to speak, Judaism of the Old Testament versus Christ, who is, in some sense, as you could say, he's 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 Judaism. He's fulfilled that, and they're to go on now, right, following him and to go on from all those symbolisms and ceremonial things to the reality of Christ. I mean, that that's I think in this context, that's the idea of what the writers in in. excuse me, encouraging and exhorting here, right? Firmly follow the doctrine of Christ, the content of Hebrews. Don't get distracted by inferior teachings or even what seems by your flesh to be a draw because of all the, the trappings. You think about this comparison of New Testament Christianity versus Old Testament Judaism and in its context Judaism was God's plan in its context but the whole purpose of it was to lead to Christ not to be a, in contrast to Christ but to lead to Christ everything pictured something about Christ and what he and he's fulfilled it all okay but you think about that i mean all the uh, all the the trappings of of that system and the the rituals and i mean think about the the tabernacle what a wonderful thing that would have been to see, right, and behold. I mean, and, and all, but it wasn't an end in itself. It was to picture something about Christ and not, oh, let's worship the tabernacle. It's so beautiful and this kind of thing. What about the temple, Solomon's temple, all the gold? I mean, think of this. I mean, these are, but, but the physical things, all of those trappings, okay? And then you have in, in this context In the first century, again, probably between 60 A.D. and 70 A.D. that Hebrews was written, what did New Testament Christians have? Nothing outwardly. But think of that in context of that verse, verse 14, for here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. I mean, the whole context of New Testament Christianity is nothing visible here on this earth. I mean, today in America, we have church buildings and churches' own property, and I'm not saying that's wrong or whatever, but what I'm getting at is, in the New Testament, that wasn't the case for churches. They were probably fleeing from one place to the other and just, you know. I mean, it wasn't about the physical things. In American Christianity, it's all, it seems to be, in many ways, all about... The ABCs, now, I used to use that term, now I can't even remember, but, uh, but basically about big buildings, big crowds, and big offerings. That's really what it's all about in American Christianity, it seems, okay? And sad, sadly, that's the case in many, but not thankfully not all, all right? But the point is, what, it, you know, what in this earth's estimation, and what you can touch and all that, you know, what is there in New Testament Christianity? Really nothing, because it's all about Christ, who's in heaven. He's not here on the earth right now. It's all about him and the future. Eternity, not the temporal things. And I think many people in religions get distracted with the physical things. And there's, there's an entrapment in that. And he's saying, beware of all of that, all right? So focus on this earthly, you know, the earthly things does not lead to eternal value. And then verse 15 and 16, By him, therefore, let us offer, by Christ, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, but to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such such sacrifices God is well pleased. All right, again, It's about Christ, and we need to be thankful to God for Christ and praise Him. We should do right. God's pleased with that. Uh, Anyway, I'll just leave those verses at that for right now. Then verse 17 is connected with all these verses in this context, I believe. And uh, not only is he saying, remember your leaders, all right, because they're trying to lead you to Christ. That's the idea. And beware of things that detract from Christ. But And then also obey, follow your church leadership, and yield, give way, submit to them is the idea. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. There's two commands right there. Obey and submit. And uh, so yield, give way, submit to them is what he's saying. All right. And then he says, why? Well, for they watch for your souls. The, you know, uh, a biblical, church leader, a biblical pastor is concerned with your spirituality, not how much money you want to bring to the church or, you know, the physical things. He's concerned with your spirituality. And, you know, and and he ties this with, I, I believe what you'd say, the judgment seat of Christ. There's coming a day when your pastor will have to give an account of you. And of course, his Accounting of his responsibility, but also of you in that and that's a that's a these are sobering things to think about. he right, says that he may do it with joy and not with grief for that's unprofitable for you all right then changes gears verses eighteen through twenty five and I'm trying to hurry here and get this in. We got just a few minutes here. I just headed this for lack of a better. <laughs> Uh, this is not real creative, I know, but just closing words, all right? I mean, really, there's, there's again, in verses 18 through 25, there's uh, kind of still a variety of things here. It's just like closing this out. He says, pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. But I beseech you the rather to do this, that I may be restored unto you the sooner. In other words, pray for me so that I can be restored to you, is what the writer saying. Now, um, where was it now? I can't remember there. Previously, it mentioned about being in bonds. It's in chapter 10, I think, or 11. I can't remember now. Um, but uh, so it seems that the writer has been a prisoner, been in jail, and he's asking them to pray for him so he can be restored the sooner. Okay. And then, uh, he even mentions about Timothy. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but in verse 23, know ye that our brother Timothy is set at Liberty. So in other words, Timothy was a prisoner. Now he's been released. And then he says with whom, in other words, with, with him, if he comes shortly, I will see you. In other words, if I get out, he's out. We're, we're going to come see you is the idea. All right. And of course, because of that, a lot of people think Paul was the writer of Hebrews, his close connection with Timothy. Paul may have been, all right? Very well may have been. Very well may not have been Paul. I don't know, okay? And neither does anybody else, really, um, living today. But um, uh, I, I I don't have any problem at all if it was Paul. I mean, you know, whatever. Um, but it really doesn't matter, okay? If it was Paul or whoever it was, this is God's Word, all right? So, it doesn't matter if it was Paul or Barnabas or whoever the other ideas are. Uh, this is God's instructions, all right? So, you see a request for prayer. You see the, re- the writer's desire for the readers in verse 20 and 21. Now, the God of peace that brought you again from the dead by our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And that's a, that's a long string of mouthfuls, if I can say it that way. There's a lot of statements in there, but notice it's all about, one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I think there's two, two things that come to mind in reading that. One is, obviously, Jesus was a great focus of the mind of the writer of Hebrews here. But then secondly, all right, remembering the whole context and purpose of Hebrews, it's like he's, getting, he's, he's taking every jab all right, that he can. He's, he's inserting every opportunity that he can to just point everybody else to Christ. He's who it's all about, right? All right? Um, And then uh, you see in verses 22 through 23, you just see some general request and desire here. He says, and I beseech you, brethren, suffer the word of exhortation. Allow this word of exhortation, all right? For I have written a letter unto you in few words. Um, There's a lot of words, but he says it's few words, all right? Uh, But really, if you think about it, Hebrews isn't all that long all right, compared to some other books of the Bible, all right, and he says, know ye that our brother Timothy uh, is set at liberty, with whom, if he comes shortly, I will see you, all right, so again, we've kind of mentioned that, um, verse 24 and 25, kind of just greetings and grace, salute all them that have the rule over you, and all the saints, all right, so probably in the context of a congregation, salute, greet, all right, that's the idea, it doesn't mean, you know, a physical salute, but salute, greet, The church leaders and the congregation and then they of Italy salute you this is an interesting statement here they of Italy salute you so people that are from Italy is the idea are sending greetings to this congregation which again a lot of people think this means that it was written from Italy or what's the big city that we know of in Italy all right, that has a Bible connection, Rome, all right, Paul we know was a prisoner in Rome for some years, Uh, again, very possible was Paul, we don't know for sure, but what he's saying is there's people from Italy that are sending greeting to you, is what it means, all right, it could be, all right, he's in a different location and there are people there from Italy that are sending greeting, Uh, but anyway, There are are Italians sending greeting, all right? And then he says, grace be with you all, amen. I mean, just a general summation, grace be with you. I mean, that's that's a typical kind of closing for a New Testament letter, but uh, obviously I think it was more than just words. There are, uh, you know, genuine desire for the people to be uh, recipients of God's grace. And because we need grace, he's already mentioned in this last chapter about the need for grace in our lives. But you see here, again, closing words. And um, obviously throughout the book of Hebrews in our study of it so far, I mean, there's a whole lot of other things we could have stopped and looked at and places we took a little more time, others we didn't, and and so on. But uh, uh, Hebrews is a wonderful book all about the Lord Jesus Christ. All about him and you see that real vividly again just in the parting the closing section of Hebrews how everything's about him about him about him about him and so on and that should be the way our lives are everything should be about him the more we focus on us the less effective for him we are the more we focus on him the more effective for him that we can be let's pray Thank you, Lord for your goodness and your great grace. and Lord, I pray that you'd help us to put ourselves in position to be recipients of your grace. Uh, you, you, you tell us that' it's, it's uh, obviously in Christ and it's available, but we've got to come to you, we, we have to avail ourselves of it. And I pray that we would do that. pray that we would uh, you'd be able to use us effectively for your service. And um, again, I I just pray, too, that for everyone here, those that have been here and heard parts of Hebrews and so on, that everything about this would draw us to Christ. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.